insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier U.S. activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. You don't have to be Jewish to be part of our show. And now, your Jewess patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello, and welcome to the Jewess patriot. I am Cindy Gross, today's premier Jewish woman activist. Your common sense voice. You don't have to be Jewish with Cindy. And I am very proud to say that I am a proud American. I'm a proud Zionist. And I look forward to having conversations with common sense people around the world. I want to thank you for all your support. I want to get into my opening, my pearls of wisdom. Because I am Zisel Peril in Yiddish, which means sweet pearl. The title for my opening is The Great Escape, and the title for my closing is The Great Escape. I'm going to start off with the glass half full. And when I say full, I mean full of questions. As COVID Restrictions are ending all over the place or people just ignoring them, even if they existed and going out a little more. I'm finding a common thread in casual conversation, whether it's at a dinner, a political event, a food event, a fashion event, a cultural event. Somehow the conversation turns on. We as Americans, Jew and non-Jew, young or old, living in a blue state or a red state, living in a city, living in a suburb, living on a farm, living by a border, it doesn't matter. The questions and answers are the same from everybody. Are you happy? Do you think America is going in the right direction? Do you think the world is going in the right direction? Haven't we learned from our past? And when I say past, I'm talking about the last century. I'm not even talking about thousands of years ago. I'm talking about times like World War II and the Civil Rights Movement. When many people, many of you, my audience, were alive and knew the people involved and got yourselves involved. What paths are we going on today that everybody wants to escape? That's the most important question. Where can you escape? You know what? I'm listening to people in the five boroughs scared of walking their streets, thinking they can go into the nearby suburbs. After all, the nearby suburbs of New York just elected Republicans and changed the face of the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. Yet every single day in the suburbs where I live and in the suburbs surrounding the city and even upstate, we are seeing in New York, which is a trend nationally, crime escalating, people being followed out of restaurants 
and getting robbed in their own driveways and garages. Local small businesses being robbed during the night. People being assaulted during the day. Jewelers petrified to open their stores. Customers afraid to go into jewelry stores. Where is the escape? What is the answer? You know what? Our government is failing us. Our police are doing the best they can, but they're failing us. We have out-of-control issues. And it all sounds good in press conferences and in articles and interviews and standing together in unity and kumbaya. But the reality is you read an article, you watch the news, you actually even go to a rally or protest. And it sounds all kumbaya and it's all going to be okay, just like in the 60s. But 10 minutes later, you leave and the crime, the issues, the unanswered questions about balloons, the depression in so many people, the overdose of drugs, it's overbearing. So I want to ask the question being half empty. How are we going to fill up the glass so that there is an escape? I'm going to give you a couple suggestions at the end of the show. So sit back and stay tuned. We have a group of very exciting people who are activists in their own right for common sense issues. And we even have our first local candidate 2023 uh, person who I want you to meet, who's a grassroots person who's doing this because he believes in America and he believes in our freedoms, our constitution, and working for all of us, whether you are an R or a D, Voter. now is Lauren Davis. Her face might be familiar to you because she's been on Fox News and in other national media. Her name might not be as familiar, but her story is all too familiar. Lauren never thought she was going to be a politician, and yet she actually got thrown into it as a parent fighting for her children's rights, and then experiencing unprecedented bullying because she was standing up for her constitutional and amendment rights. She is in running in Dallas for county judge. She's going to explain why 2022 is the year of local elections, and we invite her and thank her for joining the Cindy Gross Show. Thank you, Cindy, for having me. It's so really great been- to get the message out. <laughs> 
We've been in contact many months because uh, as a member of uh, Jewish Vote GOP and as the founder, we support you and we endorsed your candidacy because you believe in school choice and freedoms from the Constitution. And tell us a little bit and remind us your story about what happened to you when you were standing up for your rights and your children's rights in public school. Sure. Yes, I have three kids and um, they all go to Dallas Independent School District and have um, since they started pre-K and kindergarten. And so at the beginning of this school year, our superintendent, Michael Hinojosa, um, decided to defy Governor Abbott's GA38 order. He put a ban on mask mandates because he knew these schools were trying to still mask our children um, against our will, even two years into this pandemic. And so we had a choice to make. I mean, they threw this on us two days beforehand and two out of three of my kids have really, you know, significant health issues. And I just felt like at this point in the pandemic, uh, we have enough information to make our own choices, especially as parents over our children and ourselves. And we exercised our parental rights. Um, My two children that went to a school called Dealey Montessori, it's a Dallas magnet school, still public. Um, we're the only two out of 604 kids that showed up on the first day without a mask. And so the administration, the district, the teachers, the school thought they could just um, put their thumbs um, on our family, on my children specifically, and decided to put my daughter, who's 11, in fifth grade behind cones, an arbitrary line of cones in the PE classroom, where she had to stay behind the line while she watched all the other kids play. So that was just step one. And then when we didn't bend and we continued to exercise our parental rights and make that choice for our kids, they removed both of them, eighth grade and fifth grader, from their education entirely, Put the, isolated them in the library. Um, they couldn't go to any classes, no PE, no art, no music. Um, they couldn't even access the cafeteria where all the other kids are unmasked while they ate. And then they eventually, built a plexiglass cage, and that is no exaggeration, floor to ceiling with a small opening um, where uh, their attempt to keep all the other children safe from mine in the library. So they were just put on full display. Um, My fifth grade daughter was told she deserves to die by another fifth grade boy. Um, They had teachers harass them, and then they eventually, the teachers were trying to get my son, son, who's in eighth grade, um, expelled and sent to alternative school um, for things he, he wasn't doing. So they were coercing him, intimidating them. Mm-hmm. It just was, it was over the top insanity. Which is funny because, or it's sad because in New York, we have the chancellor's regulations run by the mayor's office of code of violations. You described verbal abuse, physical mm-hmm. abuse, uh, teacher abuse. These teachers should, would be in the rubber room headlines in the New York Post and, and under intense investigations for anything else other than what you described. And you're describing it in a state that's quote unquote a red state that supposedly <laughs> Republicans are securing. Yeah, not so much. And, you know, the whole experience um, was incredibly unnerving and, you know, why I decided to, to make a difference and go into politics, um, which I say, I'll never be a politician. I'll be in politics, but I won't be a politician. Um, is because we saw what these mandates and policies are doing to our community. It caused my friend, uh, my kids to lose every friend they ever had. 
I have an older son who's in high school and even him being removed out of that school that uh, the other two were in, were receiving messages on his games, playing with his, you know, quote, friends saying your mom um, should go kill herself and F your mom. And all these things are just getting treated so terribly. We lost every friend we had ever had in that community, um, all because we took a stand. And I'm starting to find out that in society, apparently the most valuable thing is people's social networks. Even if it's among people who you don't agree with you, they don't want to risk it. And so we got to the point where parents didn't even want to sit with us um, on the soccer bleachers at a soccer game with parents that we had vacationed with, happy houred with. Um, just been and friends, one of my most best friends, I would have called a sister completely turned on me. And um, this is by design. Um, our government is, uh, we had a chance to come together in our suffering through COVID. And instead, they took an opportunity to divide us like we've never been before. And it, it hit us so deeply. It was incredibly disturbing. So I always tell my audience, and I've been discussing this and bringing on various candidates for school boards and other local areas. I always tell people local elections actually count more than the national ones because they're the ones that affect you immediately. And one of my listeners just uh, wrote in and asked, how come you didn't go for the school board because your, your situation is so involved with school? Tell us the importance of getting involved in local judge elections. And tell us a little bit about the county judge in Dallas position, because as you explained it to me, it's a little bit different everywhere you live. Yes, and I have gotten that a lot. And so the reason why I went for Dallas County judge is because it's not a judge in as in judicial sense. Um, In Texas, it's in name only. It's a commissioner's court. So it's our highest form of county government. It's a government that takes the state policies and brings them down to the local level. And so our county judge is more like a CEO of the county. Dallas County is the ninth ninth largest in the United States. It's about 2.7 million people, 31 cities comprise this county. And so they're in charge of our emergency response and our health and human services, as well as our elections, the administration of our elections, um, our sheriff's department, our county jails, which all of our cities use the county jail. So it's a very important position Um, It sets tax rates and approves contracts and budgets for both the county hospital and the county itself. So it is what directly gave permission for the school district to be an absolute tyrant. Uh, They could have never done that had the county judge, the current one, defied the governor's order. And so that's why I chose to go for that position as opposed to school board, because honestly, my skill set Um, besides being a a mother of three, is not in education. I don't know that much. I know that it came and completely chewed and spit out our family for our conservative Christian values. And that's what I know. Um, And that was done through the policies of the greater county local government. And so I'm a small business owner. My husband and I started a company, a chain of barbershops called The Gents Place when we were 25. Um, And God willing, we've been through the pandemic and made it out strong, but my skill set is in being a CEO um, and being a mother. And so I just felt like as we go through and our parents and we're getting involved in our local politics, that it's not only the school board, but it is our county races. Um, and then you have the national, state and national races, but we cannot skip that middle. We cannot go from national and state and down to the school board and expect anything to change. Correct. Um, we have to focus on it, on it all. So like as we were talking about, because you were so interested in my lawsuit in New York against the uh, 
public school, the New York City Department of Education, and the involvement of the teachers union and local elected officials, one of the judges in one of the uh, situations I'm involved in, one of the court cases, is a current assembly person, and her mother was, and endorsed by the U of T, took U of T money and support, and also is a U of T member. So with your oversight in that in Dallas, you would have a say in something like this. And I don't know if we have even something like this in New York. So it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it really is. And we have to go where our skill sets match. And we can't lose sight. Every position is important. And the judicial judges are important because as your lawsuit's moving through the courts, you know, if you have a partisan judge that directly impacts your ability to get justice and um, you can see that in Dallas County, all of our judicial judges, our district court judges are very liberal. And so as this um, fight against between the uh, highest level county official, which is the county judge, which is, again, the CEO of Dallas County, um, in direct contrast to our AG um, Paxton and um, Governor Abbott, when you have liberal um, partisan judges in the courts, it is having to make its way all the way to the Texas Supreme Court to even get a ruling on this dispute in power when it should be an open and closed case. The county judge should never be in conflict with um, your governor. And when you have liberal judges, um, you can't get justice. And so I think that's, right. you know, what you're seeing and then what we're definitely seeing here. And so every position is important. We can't overlook a single one ever again. Where can our audience uh, reach out to you, find out more about you, donate? I mean, this is a national campaign. This was on Fox News because what's going on in Dallas is going on in 50 states. And everybody has school board elections coming up between now and June. Where can they reach out to you? Sure. My website is um, davis4dallas.com, the number four. So davis4dallas.com. It has everything about my campaign. You can follow me on all my socials through that website. Um, you can donate. I think we should all be supporting local candidates all across the country because these races are getting more and more expensive because this national money, like Nancy Pelosi, was down and talking to the to our current county judge about health care. And so it's going, they're bringing in national money. So we're at war in every one of our counties across the country. So we should all support each other and support parental Uh, this parental movement that's sweeping the nation. Lauren Davis, thank you for joining the Cindy Gross Show. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. I am your patriot, Cindy Gross, who's been telling you week after week that 2023 is the year of local elections. And local elections, in many respects, are more important than the presidential and congressional elections because those are the people that have direct access to your daily lives and that you can actually reach out and work with, talk to, 
and many of our people in Washington start out on local elections. Joining us is Michael Raguso, and he is the host of The Sunday Source. You know him from that. It's a very popular podcast, but you also know him as a candidate for city council from Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, an area that's changing and reflecting the changes of America. So whether you're listening to this in New York, St. Louis, California, Michael is an example of a grassroots patriot who has dedicated his life to helping others, regardless of whether you are an R or a D. The other big issue is primaries. Michael is in a primary. And I will tell you, out of the people he is running against, Michael hasn't swished or been wishy-washy just going to get votes. He's been a consistent conservative, a consistent Republican. He has worked with Republican candidates in previous campaigns. He's not switching back and forth because of redistricting. And that's Mm -hmm. my second tip to people. Learn the history of the people you are voting for. Because nine out of ten times, we do have people, let's face it, a lot of people that voted for Donald Trump and continue to support the MAGA movement and Republicans now were people who formerly voted for Barack Obama and the Clintons because at the time things were different, but it's no longer like that. So, Michael, with that long introduction, welcome to the show. Thank you. And good luck in your primary, and I know you're going to do great. Tell us why you're running. Well, Cindy, I want to thank you uh, for that long intro. Um, no one's ever spoken that highly of me before. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for That's that. That's not true because no, I know some true. of it's the media true. people that have already endorsed you. I, I know. I know. I'm kidding. But um, no. So listen, it's quite simple why I'm running in Bay Ridge, right? Number one, crime is up. In October of 2022, uh, just passed, Bay Ridge managed to get themselves on the front cover of the Daily News for a string of commercial robberies. I was speaking about it since September. I was badgering the current councilman, Justin Brennan, who voted to defund the police 2020, by the way, to uh, say something and do something about the robberies. And then he didn't do anything until the robberies made it to the media. And then he held an emergency meeting with the inspector of the 6A precinct, who seems to deny crime as well, which I don't understand why. Because you can simply go on NYPD Comstat and see that burglaries are up, felony, assault, Pettit larceny, all that stuff. So whatever. The inspector could say whatever he wants, but facts are facts, and that's that. Also, the quality of life here in in this district, not only Bay Ridge and Coney Island, because so for people that don't know, you know, like you said, things got redistricted. So now I have Coney Island. They took away pretty much all of Diker Heights. We have a little bit of Bensonhurst. We have some of Bath Beach, a little bit of Gravesend as well. So um, in all those neighborhoods, homelessness is out of control. And that's not really contributing. I'm not saying that's contributing to crime. It's just that, you know, people don't want to walk out of their house and have to step over people in tents and and uh, homeless people defecating on busy streets in front of their children, peeing in front of schools. Uh, I think it's things like this where people that were maybe independent or moderate Democrats are actually coming towards the Republican side and um, want to go with pro law enforcement, pro quality of life individuals, not this progressive crap that, you know, the city council is all about. And I know the city council, some sort of council members are leaving the progressive caucus because they're all up for reelection. 
So they just want to show that now they're all of a sudden pro-police. But we know after they do get reelected, if they do, they're going to go right back to that defund the police movement. And we have receipts for that. So you can leave any caucus you want. I was always pro-police. I worked with the FDNY. I was EMS. You know, uh, I worked side by side with NYPD. I respect them. I have family in NYPD. I never was part of that that movement. There's actually some politicians that are in office now that are Republican that marched with BLM. I don't even know how they got elected. It's quite crazy. It is, and that's a very big misconception. And you're in a primary with somebody who is a registered Democrat, a current Democrat sitting in a seat. Mm -hmm. And because of redistricting, they now are a Republican. And unfortunately, a lot of Republicans are uh, being uh, misled. Right. About the record. I think just running on the record, you talk about how he voted. He votes down the line. Tell I us mean, some listen, of the things he voted on that are, you're against. Uh, first of all, first of all, Ari Kagan is is a snake. He he thinks he thinks he's going to pull the wool over his eyes coming into Bay Ridge. Number one, he's hanging out with the wrong people. The wrong people are walking him around Bay Ridge. That's number one. Number two, Ari Kagan his whole life has been a Democrat. He voted to defund the police in 2020. He's a pro-choice candidate. He's He has pictures with Justin Brennan, who's the current council member. He campaigned for Kathy Hochul. Chuck Schumer endorsed him. This guy is a full progressive through and through. The reason why he's running as a Republican, and people need to know this, is because the redistricting, they totally annihilated his district, and he's out of a job. He wants to keep his job. He makes $148,000 a year to be a city councilman. I mean, listen. I don't blame him. He, so he'll try anything to to be to keep his job. So now he was best friends, buddy, buddy with Justin Brennan. Now all of a sudden they're enemies. He's walking around with all these these uh, Republicans around here, and he's coming into Bay Ridge. He no one even knows who Ari Kagan is. He he doesn't have a presence. No one even knows him in his own district. I, so I don't know what this guy's trying to do. If I don't win the primary and Ari Kagan does, and he goes against Justin Brennan, we're going to have two more years of Justin Brennan, unfortunately, and that's just what it is. You've been endorsed from some very big public figures, national names that we all respect and admire. Tell, tell, I know who they are, but share it with the audience. So, yeah, so far I've been um, endorsed by, you know, Jewish Vote GOP, which thank you the other day. I appreciate that very much. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. Um, you know, a lot of Democrats, well, liberals, they, they want to uh, hate on me for being endorsed by Rudy Giuliani because of what he's done with the Trump campaign. But they need to forget about that stuff. When Rudy was the mayor of this city, it was literally in hell. And he changed it. And on his way out, the city was the cleanest it's ever been. Uh, mayor Bloomberg, he kept it. And then when we got eight years of de Blasio, you know what happened. I don't need to tell you. And then I was also endorsed by Sid Rosenberg from w- 77 WABC, who is a very, you know, big name. He believes in me. Um, he's had Peter King on his show try to and and uh, others try to convince him not to endorse me because there's supposedly other better candidates, they said. But, hey, listen, you know, I got to give it to Sid Rosenberg. He's sticking with his word. And I really appreciate that. Plus, Lauren Conlon, who we see a lot on right. Fox right. Saturday That's right. night. That's right. Lauren Conlon uh, is, is uh, endorsed me. Uh, you know, she helps me out from here time to time. She knows a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping maybe Joe Pinion will come around and endorse me. But it, it's still early. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But it's never too early to educate people. And we should right. just mention that 
Jewish Vote GOP uh, endorsed you because you are the solid Republican. Even though Ari Kagan is Jewish, he has voted consistently down the line with the Democrats. Correct. I mean, and a lot of a lot of Jewish New Yorkers, not the I'm not talking about like the Hasidic ones, but, you know, regular Jewish New Yorkers, a lot of them are Democrat, which I don't understand because Democrats are very anti-Israel, not all of them. Most, you know, most of them are. And, you know, it's it's they're very vocal about it, very vocal about uh, Palestine and the whole conflict. You know, listen, I don't get involved with that stuff. I, I love everybody. I live in Bay Ridge. There's Palestinians here. There's Jewish people here. Everybody gets along in the streets. No one's killing each other. This isn't Gaza. This isn't this isn't the, you know, the West Bank. This is this is America. and People get along here. So, you know, you need you need to love everybody. So I want to, I'm going to throw out a couple of words and I want answers in five words or less. The first things that come to mind, small business, small business, small business needs support from their local politicians. Education. Education needs to be reformed. Infrastructure. Infrastructure. Driving I, I in Brooklyn to, is a mess. Those. The I bumps, don't know if I can answer infrastructure in in five words, but uh, okay. The, DO, the streets in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's the DOT needs to do a better job of doing potholes and you know fixing street lights and uh, honestly less speed cameras. I mean, because a lot of people are fed up with with paying the fines. You know, fifty dollars, fifty dollars. I mean, speed cameras don't prevent speeding, so it, I, I don't understand. I mean, it's very crazy. Yeah. One more, I'm going to ask you about. Black Jewish relations, because Brooklyn has been one of the major places where minority hate crimes Mm. to religious Jews Mm -hmm. have taken place. And this has been in the press all over the world. So you're going to be part of a Republican uh, Brooklyn leadership. What Mm. What are your ideas about the black Jewish relationship, especially in Brooklyn, to stop the hate crimes? Well, first of all, we need to figure out why uh, African American or Black people hate Jewish people. I, I I don't know. I don't understand why that is. Or or who knows? Is it is it the who knows if it's the other way around? We don't know what goes on. But I think people need to be educated uh, by you know by their by their parents. Like it start it starts in the family, right? So let's say it doesn't matter what color you are. You're you're learned. You're taught hate by your family or someone that you grow up with closely, or maybe even in school. I was going to say, take, take a textbook and see what's taught and who's teaching it. Are these people qualified? Correct. Correct. So like I said, um, people, people need to teachers in the DOE charter schools, wherever it is, they need to learn that, you know, God created everyone equally. We shouldn't hate anybody. We should all get along. This is America. There's so many people here, even in Brooklyn and Queens, it's a melting pot. People need to, to get and they just need to be educated better. And NYPD, I feel like, needs to just have um, their hate crime unit should actually go around and educate people in all kinds of neighborhoods, no matter what neighborhood it is, black, white, Chinese, doesn't make a difference, and say, listen, this is not right. You need, you know, people shouldn't be hating each other. We're all New Yorkers here. We all just been locked down for almost three years by these draconian COVID mandates. So we, we all need to come together and just and, and unite. That's that's it. And I think like the teachers and the NYPD and whoever need to to educate these these New Yorkers who feel this way. It's very unfortunate. So we're going to close before we give uh, information where people could reach you with the thoughts that people have of Bay Ridge. And when pe- a lot of people, especially those 
who grew up in the 70s think of Bay Ridge. They think of John Travolta in the white suit strutting down right. by the subway eating right, pizza. Right. right. Of course, we're talking about Saturday Night Live. Of Fever. Saturday Night Fever. I'm sorry, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, I'm right, sorry. Right, right. I'm, I'm no, thinking about okay. laughing. Okay. Saturday Night Fever. Mm-hmm. Tell me, as councilman, is the fever going to come back to Brooklyn, <laughs> to Bay Ridge? Unfortunately, Cindy, I feel that uh, th- those times had passed. A lot of the Italians and, and the Greeks and, you know, I think they all left Bay Ridge for either Staten Island or New Jersey because eight years under the de Blasio administration has just totally ruined our neighborhoods. So, I mean, you know, I, if I get elected, I'm going to do the best I can to improve the safety and and the uh, you know quality of life in this neighborhood for all all people in Bay Ridge. I don't care what race you are. I don't care what creed you are, what sex you are. doesn't matter. I just want the citizens of this district to feel safe and Go out of their house not knowing they have to smell pee and weed and and people's defic- defecation. So I mean that's that's all I want. I mean and like I said, most of the Italians like myself have have fled have fled Bay Ridge and uh, you know I can't say I blame them. Well, maybe you're going to revive it, Michael Ragusa, candidate for City Council. Where can our audience find you? Sure. Uh, it's Ragu, the number four for NYC.com. That's my campaign website. My Instagram is just Mike Ragu, simply Mike Ragu. And then uh, Facebook is Ragu for NY. And just to let people know, there's going to be some events coming up that uh, the Jewess right. page will be there. And you're going to see some really big national names there supporting this because yeah. everything starts locally. Mm-hmm. And remember... He's in Brooklyn, but his candidacy very much uh, relates to you where you live. Go mm-hmm. meet your candidates. You see mm-hmm. how easy it is to meet a local candidate. I'm out in the street all the time, all my days off. Like I have a full-time job. So, you know, on uh, sat- Sundays and Mondays, I am in out. I'm actually going out at right after this interview. So I'm always around. I don't hide. Thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. No problem. Thank you, Cindy. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. I am a Jewess Patriot, but so is our next guest. She ran for city council in Manhattan, and she realized that education was such a key issue to unite common sense parents and taxpayers who are independent and democratic, usually voting down those lines, in unison with Republicans as far as trying to fix our broken education system that our tax dollars are paying for. She is going to give us a preview, probably the first preview of her upcoming book. And we are always happy to welcome Jackie Tobler to the show. Hi, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm also a Jewish patriot, but I'm an American patriot. I am a New York City patriot. 
And that's very important because there's this misinformation around the country because they see biased headlines that Jews only care about yeshiva education. You are a parent in the public schools and you speak regularly with parents from public schools all across the country, whether or not they're Jewish, whether or not they're white or a minority, young or old, in a city, in a suburb. And what are you finding that parents are concerned about the most? Well, I want to make one correction. I have two children. They are in private school, and that is for a specific reason, and that is because our public schools are abject failures. They are no-go zones. Um, They are pushing racism via CRT. Um, As a white person, as a Jewish person, I do not feel comfortable having my children in a public school as it currently stands. Um, And my kids are in a language-driven uh, school, private school. So my kids are in private school. Um, that does not take away my reasoning or my ability to uh, think that all children deserve school choice, uh, the best possible education they can have. And right now, the education is a complete failure in New York. We pay the highest amount of taxes annually, $28,000 per public school student. And the prize is that they are in the bottom half of the country for reading and writing. And what do you think? Because I have had many discussions on the show. I've written a lot about it. I think as much as we are bringing attention to this, because the left wing media and Democrats who work closely with the teachers unions are trying to silence people like us, we are not winning as much as we should be on this issue. What are you finding? I think that this is a really difficult issue. Uh, Recently, legislation has come out that private schools actually have to be run like public schools. Uh, My kids, you know, like every other kid went through COVID. We had lockdown. We had no school. Then we had hybrid. Uh, Then we went back, you know, back full time. Uh, The fight has to be won at the public school level. And right now it's, it's, there unfortunately are not enough parents speaking out. There are a lot moving to the right because the left owns the failure of the, the educational collapse. The teachers union donate to Democrat candidates and Democrat causes 99.9%. That is unacceptable. They are a political entity. And where do you find, I mean, you work very closely with people from all backgrounds, and I know you work very closely with parents in the minority communities. What are they saying? Because they are labeled as Democrats and their votes are taken for granted every single election. Okay, well, you know this. I helped organize Moms for Lee, and I'll tell you that the group was primarily- Excuse me. Lee Zeldin when he ran for governor, because this is a national show and people forget. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. I helped, I helped organize moms for Lee Zeldin when he was running his gubernatorial campaign, which he narrowly lost. But I will tell you, he ran on a pro parental rights platform. And what this did was it brought in not only minorities, uh, it brought in Democrats and independents. And the group that we arranged was primarily comprised of Democrats and independents. 
They've absolutely had it. Again, the left owns the failure of the education system. It owns the mask mandates. It owns the vaccine mandates. And this is something that is a bridge issue that has united parents. Uh, There is nothing, nothing that unites parents more when it comes to their children. That is the last stand for parents. Uh, They will take a lot. As you know, you're a mom as well. We'll take a lot. We negotiate with terrorists all day long. Uh, The hill, and we are not willing to die on it, is when it comes to our children. And uh, minorities have suffered. Look, if you look at the public school makeup, it's it's primarily minorities. And they're getting the brunt of this. They, they hate this CRT nonsense. They absolutely hate it. They know that their, their children are not at grade level proficiency. And what are schools doing during this two-year hiatus from education? They are doubling down on woke and CRT and DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, critical race theory. This is not doing anything to elevate the grades in a substantial way because people that teach CRT and DEI, they're grievance collectors. This is not, these are not skills for life. This is not helping with math, with science, with history, with English. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, I was recently discussing teachers and they, and someone made a comparison and I said, it's really hard, but in some ways it's the beginning. It's like the innocent teenage Nazi soldier who followed the rules he was given, but was innocent and too young and afraid to speak up. And that's what's happening to many of the teachers because they're afraid to lose their jobs like I did. And they are afraid to speak the truth because they feel that they will be professionally, personally, emotionally, and financially destroyed for life. And there are examples that this is absolutely happening. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. I, I recently wrote an article in Human Events, but there is a bill, A2178. Every single parent in New York should be aware of this. Assemblyman Dinowitz has put it in. It's currently in committee in the assembly. And if this bill passes, uh, it will be voted on by 2024. Every single child from two months to 18 years, public school, private school, nursery school, um, gardery, primary, middle, upper school will be absolutely mandated to take this COVID vaccine. So again, parents, who are pro-parental rights, not anti-vaccine, but pro-parental rights should know about this. They should write into their assemblyman. They have to fight this bill. And, you know, 2023 is the year of local elections. It's the time to call out the councilmen, the uh, town village leaders, uh, supervisors, county leadership. And this is not just in New York. This is all across the country. Once once one um, state starts this, this goes on. You know this is going to be California. You know that they're going to try to sneak this in in Texas. You know they're going to sneak this in in Florida. Any place where they can get some attention. And, of course, they have the support of the media. And speaking of the media, we are proud to say that I think we're going to be the first ones to announce that something very big is happening coming out This spring, tell us about your book. So I have a book, the working title right now, it's with Post Hill Press, is called Super Moms Activated. I interviewed moms from across the nation, uh, lots of Democrats, lots of independents, uh, all the different races, 
uh, all different socioeconomic groups. And the book is about how super moms are impacting policy, effectuating change, and leaving the Democrat Party in droves on account of the assault on women and the assault on children. Jackie Tubloroff, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Continue being a Jewess Patriot with me, and you will be back very soon once the book is out. Thank you so much. And you can find me on Instagram, where I'm really active, at Jacqueline4NYC. That's J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E-F-O-R-N-Y-C. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining the show. Take care. Welcome back. What a show. It just flew by. And like I promised, my pearls of wisdom, because I am Zisa Peril, is about the great escape. And I want to end on a positive note. I want to share with you an amazing trip. Greece for Passover 2023. Spending eight days in beautiful weather overlooking gorgeous seas and beaches, all-inclusive. That means all the food and wine. I know there are many, many programs for Passover, and people are traveling all over the world. And what I'm hearing this year is that people really need to get away because who knows what's going to be Passover 2024. So if you have any questions about a really wonderful, reasonably priced program that is geared to all religious affiliations, it's non-gabrut, it's kosher, endless activities, the three Chalamai days, the days in between, have tours already planned. You're going to have endless food bars opened, almost 24 hours, a variety of foods. And all-inclusive wine and liquor. You can reach out to me via my social media. I hope you had a great week. See you next week. And remember, you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy. Because I am the Jewess patriot. But I am the common sense voice for all. This is Cindy Gross, the Jewess patriot. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for watching The Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program, as well as previous ones, available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Jewish Patriot Show.